Hey, Brian Johnson here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock and would love to have you anytime you're looking for a place to worship. You can learn a little bit more about us online, midcityvineyard.org, Instagram at Mid-City Vineyard, and on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church. We took a little break this week from our current series, and we were looking into a topic called, Why Do We Do What We Do as a Faith Community? Really looking into how we believe we've been called to be a community of faith in the Mid-City community for the Mid-City community, what that looks like in praxis, and how we go about uh, working that out. So, we hope you enjoy. Let's head on over to the podcast. Much peace to you and to yours. So tonight, I thought that we would take a, take a week to actually talk about um, some of these things that we are engaged in. Because, you know, we, we do hit a season. We, we, we try to regularly serve our community. But there is this season from October till December where we end up having a lot of different outreaches planned. And we, we're not trying to, matter of fact, this year we're talking about how many, we don't want to do too many, because we're not trying to tax. I mean, we're a, we're a small community of faith. <laughs> we had these, oh, I guess I should tell you that too. We just completed our Relate course, which was fantastic. The workshop we did for couples, we had nine couples sign up, eight couples completed it, which means only one couple dropped out. It was a five-week course. And of those eight couples, four of them no, of those eight couples that completed, five are not part of our community of faith. They found out whether they were invited by a friend or they found it on social media. And uh, uh, two of the ladies that were there said, hey, we're coming to Blessing of the Pats on Sunday. And we said, oh, okay, well, and they said, maybe we'll come to the church sometime. And we said, oh, okay, okay, that's, that's cool. But we just want to tell you, if you come to the Blessing of the Pets first, you need to realize that the operation looks, it's probably going to look like a church of, two or three or four or five hundred pulled it off. It's only a church of about, you know, between 30 and 50 every time. You know, you, you need to know that. So, so, and we know, you know, right now we're, we're 35 to 50 adults and then we have our kiddos. We're not trying to overtax it on the outreaches, uh, especially when it comes to the ones that really cost money. However, Mid-City Vineyard, a community of faith in the community for the community. And for us, when planting Mid-City Vineyard, that meant or means more than Mid-City Vineyard, a community of faith that worships in the community for other people to come and worship in the community. Like, it, it, it has larger boundaries than what we do on Saturday nights. What we do on Saturday nights is, in my opinion, when, when Christians worship together, it is a very formative process. We get together on Saturday nights, and that's why I encourage people to be here, because it, it's a time for us when, when we sing together, when we read scripture together, when we pray together, when we share at the table together. It's a very formative process for us. It's a us giving to God and God giving to us. It's this, it's this, this ebb and flow that we, we do it in community together. It's very important. But what we do here is 
for the most part, it is for people who follow Christ. Now, I would like for people who don't follow Christ to come and be a part of this. That being said, lots of times, this is a final step of someone coming to, to, to finding a place where they're following Christ. It's not an initial step. Uh, we're, not, we're not the type of church that is like what they would call seeker-friendly. What we, we, we like people who are seeking after Christ, but we're not like the kind of church that has fog machines and lights and I mean we don't even have painted walls so you know we're like so it's not it's not like we're like hey look at us we're sexy you can come here and and you know uh, it's more like there's a formative thing going on here and here how do we how do we move from here into the community and literally be hands and feet of Jesus Cooperate with Spirit in what the Spirit of God is doing in the lives of people. People who know Christ, people who don't know Christ. I think one of the most incredible things that we have in the Scripture, I, in my opinion, and you can, you can have a different, different opinion because that's what they are, their opinions, but in my opinion, more, in, more amazing to me than dying on the cross, more amazing to me than coming back from the dead, what is most amazing to me is that God did die on the cross and did come back from the dead. But more amazing than that is that God put aside divinity and actually became a human being. It's in the scripture. It's called in, in, in theology. It's called the incarnation. In, it's God in the flesh. And Eugene Peterson, in, in his uh, translation of the Bible, the message, he says that God moved into the neighborhood. God puts on human flesh and moves into the neighborhood and lives and dwells with us among people. And the reason that's so fascinating and amazing to me is because God, well, God's God. <laughs> I mean, that's just, God is like, I want to I do the human thing. I, I, want, to, I want to be human. I want to have flesh and, and bone and, and blood and sinew. I want, to, I want to plant my feet, my physical feet, in the soil of the earth, just like my creation does. I want to walk through the stuff they walk through. I want to experience the things they experience. I want to, I want to show them the way to the truth and the life. I want to show them the way to a, a greater reality. And that, that was just it. When Jesus was walking on the planet, God in the flesh... Jesus was living according to a different reality. So the reality that we live according to this day and age, just turn on the news, it's tit for tat. It's, it's quid quo pro. You do this for me, I do this for you. You do this to me, I will do something to you. It's a very violent place. It's a, it's a very non-forgiving place. It lacks mercy. It lacks grace. And yet Jesus comes and he's, he doesn't lack mercy. He doesn't lack grace. He doesn't lack forgiveness. He doesn't lack, lack inclusion. He doesn't lack acceptance. He doesn't lack any of these things. He is peace and mercy and grace and love. He is, he is all of these things, and he's showing us how to be human according to a different set of guidelines. And those guidelines would be called the kingdom. The kingdom of God. So Jesus comes and he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Repent means turn around. 
turn around, you're headed the wrong direction, you're playing this quid quo pro, tit for tat kind of uh, uh, a game, that's the wrong direction. It'll never lead to more fulfilling life. It'll never lead to peace. It'll never lead to grace. It'll never, uh, you'll never experience beauty. So turn around and come this way. And when you lay that down, you'll experience love and mercy and grace and beauty and kindness and goodness and all the things of the kingdom of God that come with it. And so what do we find? We find Jesus regularly connecting with people. And showing people a different way. But have you ever noticed when you read the Gospels, where does Jesus do most of his connecting with people? He does it in the streets. He does it at weddings. He connects with people in their homes. He goes to parties. He goes to funerals. He lives a very human life connecting with people. He also goes to the synagogue. But most of the stories that we hear of Jesus connecting with people aren't at the synagogue. Most of the stories that we hear of Jesus really connecting with people is when he's walking down the street, or when he is at a wedding, or when he's at a funeral, raising a dead person, or when he goes to someone's home where they have a sick daughter, or where he's hanging out literally on the side of a hill, on the side of a mountain. Jesus is walking and talking and interacting and connecting with people. And the thing about it is, Jesus had the amazing gift of hospitality. Now, we understand a lot of times hospitality. You know, like Ryan walks in tonight and I'm part of the hospitality team. Hey, I'm, I'm Brian. Brian, nice to meet you. Here's a, well, we don't, here's a bulletin and there's the coffee. And we're like, oh, good, you were part of the hospitality team. Thank you. That's that's like a, a very small sliver branch of hospitality. True hospitality is, it's, it's, a, it's a heart. True hospitality is when someone has a heart that creates and makes space for other people. And you've met these people in your life, haven't you? Where, where you just, you left, and maybe it was the first time you ever met them, but you left feeling like that, per, that person really cared. That person was so in tune with, with, with me. I felt like there was a, a soul connection. I, I don't even know what that was. That, what that person has is they, they, they have this, this gift of and this, this practice of hospitality. They created space in their heart and in their soul and in their psyche and in their body and in their mind for you in those moments. You've ever heard of people who... And, and most of the time, unfortunately, we don't hear of this until we're at their funeral. But you'll hear of people at funerals sometimes, and they'll say, you know, whenever I was, Joe's passed away, and now he's in this, this casket. But whenever I was with Joe, Joe always made me feel like I was the, the most important person in his life at the moment that we were talking. And I hear those kinds of stories, and I'm like, I want to be more like Joe. Because Joe had a gift of making room for people hospitality, creating space. So how did Jesus get people to follow Jesus? How did he get people to follow him? Well, a couple of ways, but I'll, I'll tell you most importantly how Jesus did not get people to follow him. Jesus did not appeal to people cognitively. 
Jesus didn't go around explaining to people. Now, he explained a lot of things to people, but he didn't go around trying to convince people to follow him. Jesus simply said, hey, you're going the wrong way. Come follow me. Check it out. But here's the thing. The disciples. Would we say, Matthew, who was Levi, and Judas, and Peter, and and John, and James, and some of these other guys, would we say that they, the first day Jesus said, hey, come follow me, were they Christians? Well, they, they weren't, because that wasn't a thing. You know what they were? They were Jewish, young Jewish men, looking for a teacher, looking for a model, looking for a way to live their life. And Jesus said, well, I could show you a way. And over the next three years, those guys were figuring out, is this the guy we want to follow? Is this the guy we want to follow? And it wasn't until the end of those three years when Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. It took probably three years for Peter to be like, oh, okay, I think I get it. I think I see what's going on here. But how was Jesus able to, or how was Peter able to make that proclamation? Two ways. First, Jesus says it was revealed to him by his Father in heaven. The second way is that Peter had been living life with Jesus for three years. Watching Jesus in his ways of kindness and mercy and grace and inclusion and forgiveness watching Jesus in his ways of not picking up the sword, not holding grudges, but ebbing and flowing and moving in the ways of a different reality. Peter was drawn to that. Levi was drawn to that. These these men and these women were drawn. But the only way it happened is because Jesus shared life with them. And Jesus didn't, for lack of a better term, lord things over them. But what did God in the flesh do? God in the flesh took care of his disciples. God in the flesh provided for his disciples. He, he, you know, he would feed them. He would, he would pray for them. He would pray with them. The night before his betrayal, he would get down and he would wash their feet. And then he would tell them, go do the same thing. The washing of the feet was, was that simple. You know, when you would walk in to a host home, the host would not wash your feet. The host servants would wash your feet. Jesus took himself and put himself not in the place of the host, put himself in the place of the servant to wash their feet. And he said, now you do the same thing. So for us, here are a couple of things as a community of faith that are really, really important for us. Number one, how will we continue to create space? Now, I want you to think about this individually for you, but then also for us as a, as a con- collective. How will you, how will we create space in our lives 
for others to experience the love and the mercy and grace and beauty of Jesus, the Christ? How will we create space to cooperate so that people can, can begin over time to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives? Keeping in mind, if it took Peter and the rest of the guys three years, well, we've got time, right? So much of Christianity these days is about, or, or it has been, you don't experience this here at Mid-City Vineyard, but maybe you grew up in a church like this where it's about uh, uh, getting another notch in the belt. You know, it's like you gotta you gotta meet somebody and you gotta try to lead them to Christ in some way, shape, or form, and and then you know you got another one and you get a notch in your belt and it's like, it, but it's a it's a it's this kind of process. But I I don't see anywhere in Scripture, in my own life, or in the lives of others, where it's like this. It's more like there's everyone's life, their soul is like the soil, and it's got to be worked, and the seeds have to be planted and watered and and nurtured and cared for and loved. Because I want more people in our neighborhoods to experience more life and love and mercy and peace and grace. And I believe the way to that is through Jesus Christ. But that takes time. So in your own life, how are we creating space for people? Collectively, how do we create space for people? This is, this is important for us. And so here are, here are some of the things that we intentionally choose to do. We want to be good at throwing parties. We've talked about this before, but we want to be good at throwing parties. And to be honest with you, I, I, think, I think we're good at throwing parties as a, as a church. Now, our relate course, I would say that our relate course was throwing a party. Nine couples, eight couples, eight couples at Coffee Science, Wednesday nights, five weeks. Each week we got together, and Christy and I would lead this workshop. Uh, we would have uh, dessert, and uh, we'd have folks that were serving dessert, and we had, the coffee bar was open, and it was just the most common comment we got on the surveys was, <laughs> and this is, I think this is very telling, but the most common comment was, this was so much better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> And then the other comment was, this felt so much better than I thought it was going to feel. So you had the thoughts and the feels. But people were like, they were into it. And by the end, honestly, the couples that aren't part of Mid-City Vineyard, I don't know that they'll ever come to Mid-City Vineyard. They might. But I, I do know that we will be going to dinner with more couples now. We have more friends, just simply through this. And I look at that very, it's very Jesus-y. Because Jesus would make friends, and then he'd hang out with those friends. And the more he would hang out with those friends, the more opportunities those people had to see how Jesus lived his life. And they could make a decision for themselves or not if they liked the way Jesus lived his life. Most people did, and they were like, well, I want to live my life more like that. Relate was a great party. Another good party that we do... Uh, uh, Mid-City Vineyard is, you know, I think Red Bean Mondays has been a wonderful party. It's created a space for us to be together. It also creates space for you to bring a friend or a neighbor uh, to our home, but it also creates a wonderful space for us to invite our neighbors, Christy and I, to invite our neighbors, and we all get to just be together. It creates space in that, that kind of setting. 
Now that our house is being eaten by termites, we're not able to do Red Bean Mondays quite right now. But we'll get back to it because it's a good party. It's, it's, it's a good thing. Which would lead me to why we encourage. We went to Red Bean Monday as a community of faith once a month at our house. And then we, we pitched it to everyone to say to you, to say to you, why don't you take the other once a month uh, Monday and throw a party at your home and invite your neighbors? Because it's a way to create space with your neighbors in your neighborhood and get to know some folks. Uh, October 16th coming up is National Night Out Against Crime. And it's common for neighborhoods to have block parties on National Night Out Against Crime. And so we would encourage you, that's a Tuesday night, to consider throwing a, a small party with some of your neighbors. Uh, it's an easy excuse. Um, our neighbors are so into this now because we moved into the neighborhood and we started doing all these neighborhood parties. So I got a phone call last week and one of my neighbors like, all right, I got, I, I, I registered Night Out Against Crime. Their cops are going to be out here. We're going to have barricades. The whole street's going to be blocked off because you can do that. And so Christy and I were, were thinking, well, we better get to planning. <laughs> but it's become easy. Because all the other neighbors are now like, oh, we're doing another one. And they want in on it. What about some of these other things? Why do we give away donuts last week? Why do we pick up trash? How is giving away donuts and how is picking up trash in any way, shape, or form a good use of finances? How is in any way, shape, or form does it, does it benefit our community. How does that follow through a community of faith in the community for the community? I see those as very tangible, practical, simple ways to wash the feet, so to speak, to serve our community. Last week when we went and we were giving away donuts, it was, it was fascinating because it's Sunday morning and we just walked in and if we would have done it on Saturday morning, we would have said the same thing. But you walk in, hey, Thank you, because we, we tried to, everything we did was in Mid-City, but thank you for serving our larger community today. I know it's Sunday morning, and a lot of people are off, but you're here at work. Thank you for just doing what you're doing in our community, whether it's uh, cooking up seafood, you know, or working the, the drugstore counter. And the amazing thing is the smile that comes across the face and the sense of worth that people experience through that super easy, simple like the people over at Bevy's Seafood could not believe that someone was out bringing them donuts. And Tabitha and Wesley and all the kids that they had with them, got they were in the kitchen. They're like, you got to come. One guy's like, he was boiling crawling. He's, you got to come in the kitchen and tell everybody that you brought donuts for him. And so he's in the kitchen and everybody's like, they're beside themselves. So, well, did, did, what was the, did you win anybody to Jesus? No, but we weren't trying to. Did you get anybody's email so we can add them to the newsletter? No, but we weren't trying to. What we were trying to do is simply say, hey, we're from Mid-City Vineyard. We love you guys. We thank you guys for being a part of our community, for doing what you're doing in the community, and we want to bless you today and say have a great day. Mission accomplished. Picking up garbage. It's good for the whole neighborhood because everyone knows when it drizzles in Mid-City, it floods. So we pick up garbage and we clean out those storm drains and we're serving our neighbors. We're serving our community. Blessing of the pets. Because it's 
it's turning into something. I think it's going to get better and better. But what's, what's the deal? I just, we want, to, we want to throw a good party. We want to throw a good party. And here's, here's my thinking. Blessing of the Pets was birthed in, in, in my soul before we even planted Mid-City Vineyard. When Christy and I were spending all of our time in Mid-City, I just remember uh, thinking, you know, what's a way that you can really let people know in Mid-City that they're valuable to you, that they're important to you, that you, you want to be in relationship with them. Take care of their pets. Take care of their dogs. And so that's where, I mean, now it's a Catholic thing, um, and the Episcopals really love to do it up too. Uh, but I think it might catch on in the vineyard, because every time I post it, all my vineyard friends are like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're blessing the pets. And people are, people are excited because it simply gives us a way to connect with people, which is why when we're there tomorrow, may we think hospitality, hospitably, so that we're not simply and only talking to one another, but what does it look like to make space to speak to others, to, to engage others, to, to ask others questions about themselves and about their pet? Because once you ask them about their pet, they can talk to you forever. But we're, we're, it's, it's a way for us to come alongside and, and to serve. And, and we don't, and I, I know, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure where to, where to go with this, but I'm not, when we give away donuts, it's not to try to grow this. And when we do Blessing of the Pets, it's not to try to grow this. What it's, because this, this is going, I, I believe that what the Holy Spirit's doing here is the way this is going to grow, this right here, this is going to grow relationally. This grows relationally, which means that when Ryan is developing relationships with someone and he realizes that they're in a spot in their life and they, they might be at a place where they're ready to connect with Christ in a, in a deeper way, he would say, you want to come to church with me? That's how this is going to grow. This is going to grow relationally. But the key there is, The key there is, are we in those types of relationships? That would be a real question for us. And to move it into Mid-City, how are we doing relationally in the community in which we find ourselves? So this, these are the reasons. These are, this is the theory. This is the understanding behind it. So tomorrow, when you're out at Blessing of the Pets, don't feel like in any way, shape, or form that you need to talk to anybody about Jesus. Matter of fact, I'd go a little further and say, please don't talk to anybody about Jesus. Unless, of course, you sense there's the Spirit of God is doing that. That's the whole thing with hospitality. It's connecting and cooperating. What is the Spirit of God doing here and now? And if the Spirit of God's doing that, then go that way. But if the Spirit of God is talking and is, is just loving on someone's pet, then do that and do it well. And the same thing when we give away, because we, we do, we're going to probably do more giveaways. When we give away donuts, I think when king cake season comes around, we give away king cakes. Well, what do I do when I give? Bless you. Like, really. Like, from the bottom of my heart, may you just have a, an amazing day. We love you as a community of faith. We love you. We thank you for being here. And if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to call us. Does, does that does that resonate with you? You know, it's it's just so it's a it's a it's this thing of moving and meeting people where they are.
And I love that. I love that about us. I love uh, what I believe that Jesus and what God and the Spirit are doing with us. I think this is a, a wonderful way forward for us. And I honestly, golly, I don't think you can live in a better city for trying to be good at just throwing parties. I mean, some of the best parties Christy and I have ever had were hurricane parties. Right? I mean, what happens? The hurricane's about to start rolling through or it just rolled through? I mean, this was how we got to know our neighbors in our other neighborhood the best of all. Because we all opened up our freezers because we had no power. And for the next three nights, I think this was after Isaac, for the next three to five nights, we had no power. And so we all just started, we took out the grills. And every night, we just emptied our freezers as neighbors. And we were cooking up meat and just eating it. And we were having, we had hurricane parties four or five nights in a row. And we made lifelong, literally lifelong friends in that neighborhood. And here's how, let's bring it full circle and I'll close it. So that now, recently, one of those neighbors, he was an older gentleman, but he passed away. And his widow, we, we moved out of that neighborhood years ago. They never came to the church I was pastoring at. Um, matter of fact, Mr. Joe, he was the older man. Uh, the very first time I ever met him, and I told him I was a pastor, he asked me if I knew Latin. And I said no. And then he said, well, then you're not a real pastor because the only mass I go to is Latin mass. And I said, so you speak Latin? He said, no, I don't understand a word they're saying, but that is the only true mass. Mr. Joe died a few weeks ago, and his widow, Miss Wanda, though we moved out of that neighborhood four years ago, you know who she called? She called me. She said, I want you to know that Joe passed away, and I would just ask that you would just continue to pray for Joe, and will you continue to pray for us and for me and for my daughter. Why? Well, because, in all honesty, Christy and I had created a space for her in our life. And she knew. I mean, people know you follow Jesus. They see it. They don't need, they don't need a lot of telling. They, they see it. And so we create space. And that's what, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing right here. And that's why I, I'm more excited about tomorrow. I just, I, because this is everything I want us to be as a church. It gets, it, we're just, we get to be with people. People that God loves immensely. People whose lives are not, not not everybody, but a lot of folks out there, their lives are not determined and dictated by peace or mercy or love or kindness. But they find themselves in in, uh, difficult situations. And if we can just be a little bit of love and light right there, shake hands, rub shoulders, hug, bless pets, then we're going to do it to the best that we possibly can. So I, I want to invite you to, to, to be, uh, be there tomorrow. I want to invite you to think through how you're going to do this in your own neighborhoods and how you continue to allow and open up your own life for others as we continue to figure out what it is to be servants as we follow the model of Jesus.